Today I'm here with an immigrant from Iraq. Her name is Lubna Ahmed. And Lubna Ahmed was on the show called The Rubin Report about two years ago. Uh, after her appearance on that show, she received a lot of hate uh, and even some death threats against her. So the video was taken down and we didn't really hear that much from her. Um, but two years later, uh, Dave Rubin of the Rubin Report has posted a new video with Lubna in his studio, and she's now in the United States. And I'm very happy to also have her on my show so we can have a discussion about her background, about Iraq, and uh, her thoughts in general. Thank you, Lubna, for being on. Thank you so much, Mr. Lala. And um, I'm grateful to you, and I'm grateful to... Mr. Dave Rupin, and um, I'm very thankful at the same time for all the people who helped in my case and um, who's trying actually to help a lot of people who are, you know, um, um, trying to, you know, to stand up for their rights, um, to speak up their minds, because in the Middle East in general and in my society, there are people who are trying to speak up. and. Um, I think those are the people who deserve um, respect and who deserve to be saved because they are telling the truth. They are not um, trying to hide their identities or anything. So I'm very grateful to whoever helped in my case and whoever um, still um, to help others. And thank you so much for having me on your um, talk. I'm, I'm thankful to you. No, thank you. And um, nobody's ever called me Mr. Lalo on my podcast before. So I love that, Mr. Lalo. I might change my screen name to that. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. So before we get to what happened there in those uh, about two years ago and that situation, I wanted to go back to the starting point about your upbringing in Iraq. So can you tell me a little bit about where you're from in the country and your background and your family, whatever you feel comfortable about talking about? Yeah. Well, um, actually, as you know, I'm from Iraq. So um, I brought up in a family that uh, my mother, um, you know, raised um, her children because she refused to submit to the, um, to the social life and to the society in general. Uh, she was raised by um, a restricted family in a in a not a religious way, but in a in a family that um, followed traditions back that time. So um, she was actually um, treated very badly, you know, from by her father, her brother, and from that time she decided to think, you know, and to achieve goals in her life. She became uh, a mechanical engineer and she ultimately um, met my father who turned out to be the um, symbol of, of the Arabic men who used to abuse their wives. 
he used to hit my mom and treat her very badly till she um, divorced him, actually. And in my communities, when in the Middle Eastern communities, when a woman, you know, applied for a divorce, she had to drop all her rights, everything. So she did that. And, um, and you know, for a fact that in a societies, when a woman apply for a divorce, the, you know, the society will mock her, will hate her, will attack women in general. And she took that and accepted the fact that she will raise me and my siblings. From that, she always, um, for example, she raised me to be a free thinker. She didn't force me into anything. Um, she always said that you must think for yourselves. You must discover things. You must ask and search. And from that, um, I didn't know about religions in general and about God, to be honest with you, until I um, started to have my school. So you, you weren't brought up religious at all? No. So you wouldn't consider yourself an ex-Muslim in any way? You were never a Muslim? No, uh, mm-hmm. I don't. And I've said that many times. A lot of people reached out to me and um, mentioned that I am an ex-Muslim. No, I'm not ex-Muslim mm-hmm. because I didn't um, I didn't practice Islam as a religion. No, I didn't do anything about, you know, associated with that. But I studied Islam and just to get to know what is this religion, because in my identity, it says I am a Muslim. So I, I have to know um, what is Islam and why I'm, I am a Muslim. To, so from that, when I started to have these lessons in the schools, because mainly, as you know, in Iraq, uh, we have Islamic lessons. You have to have it. If you don't, you will fail. So... I started to have these lessons and I started to know more about Islam mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and I asked a lot of questions that put me into trouble. It started when I was 14 years old, 13 years old. I started to ask the teachers and I ended up kicked out of two schools and I was um, attacked when um, I was teenager back in my school from kid, you know, students, um, because I'm in a ways um, mocking Islam and asking, you know, a forbidden questions. We call it as a taboo. You don't, ha- um, you don't have the right to ask it. So um, that these things um, made me the person I am now. So can I ask you some details there about uh, your kind of identity as far as Islam? Because you said, uh, so on your identi- identification in Iraq, it says Muslim. Um, and y- your mother wasn't religious either. You, I think you, you've said that she's an atheist as well. Um, yeah. But would you, even though she's an atheist and you were never Muslim whatsoever, it does say so on your ad- identification card. Do you guys fall like as far as your background or identity in Shia Islam or Sunni Islam or or neither or how does that work? What, do you mean did we um, practice it as no not practice like would, would uh-huh. people consider you from a Shia 
tribe oh. in a tribal way or a Sunni yeah. tribal yeah. way. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Because I know in Iraq is a rare case where you have quite a large population of Shia mm -hmm. and Sunni. I think the major there's more Shia uh -huh. in yeah. um yeah in the yeah. country. Yeah. Well, in my identity, it says I'm a Muslim Sunni ah. because the, it says yeah the tribe's name on it. So from the identity, they can they can know even if you are a Sunni or a Shi. So. Um, I am a Sunni because, as you know, in in, a, in the Arabic countries, we follow the father. My father is a Sunni and my mom, she's from Shia. So, yeah, um, I'm a Sunni, actually. Yeah, so. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that's interesting. You, you, yeah, you would technically be a Sunni Muslim who was never yeah. Muslim at all. <laughs> yeah. Nah, no, I'm not. Right. So, well, um, but. In, in general, um, you know, I, I told you, uh, you have to, for me, it's important to study Islam because, you know, you want to know what is this religion all about. And it started, you know, from like, like um, late 70s, um, what happened between Iraq and Iran, the Iranian-Iraqi war, and um, the late 90s. Um, where um, Saddam Hussein started his um, religious revolution, we call it, when, and all these things, you know, um, knowing that history uh, drove me to study it more. And the modern way that when, you know, I grew up more and more, knowing that um, the um, what happened in the um, 12th of September in New York, all these attacks, so, I mean, it's important to know Islam because it, um, now you can see Islam is something is you cannot control it now. It's disease that taken lives, innocent lives and innocent people, um, and especially in the West. I mean, I didn't hear any Christian killed Muslim just because they are Muslims or a Jewish guy killed, you know, Muslims and a Christian because they are not Jewish. So, I mean, all these things, you know, um, it's just, um, I think it's tragic just to, to know and to learn about. Yeah. Uh, what was it? I, can I ask you how old you are, Lubna? Well, I am 26. 26. Yeah. So yeah. Wh what was it like uh, growing up uh, in the first years? I, you were somewhat under Saddam um, and then uh, and then post Saddam. What was the that transition like? Well, the transition is where we under Saddam Hussein, you know, when the war with um, with Al Kuwait and the Gulf War and all these things led to poverty in Iraq in the late um, of his, uh, you know, control of Iraq. Um, it was poverty, the economics fall down, um, and it, it was hard. My, I, I didn't see my mom. She used to work the whole day, to be quite, to be honest with you, and she didn't have a salary. Her salary was like um, uh, 3,000 Iraqi dinar, which is something like $2. And... We were um, suffer suffering from that. We, I mean, all the people were um, suffering. And my mother, she was a chief mechanical engineer. So you can't you can imagine a chief mechanical engineer can have a salary 
a solo like that. So it was difficult for me and my siblings and for a lot of Iraqis. And following that, the poverty and the economics and the, you know, the Sunni Islamic spreading in his last days, you have before the 2000, after the 2000, sorry, and three, you can't, I can now see the difference a lot because back in his times for the women rights, it was okay with them with the women to go out and work even if it is late at night because my mom used to work and a lot of women used to do that but after 2003 women have you know they don't get out a lot i mean it um till 2 uh 12 i think p.m. afternoon women should stay at home because um any woman goes out, she might, you know, get attacked or abused for any reasons. That's for sure. And a lot of things went down, uh, the morals, the principles, uh, for a lot of Iraqis fall down when Saddam Hussein fall down. He, he, he was a bad guy and he is still a bad guy. And one day he... Um, someone had to take him down. I do believe in that. But I'm talking about the Iraqi community. They don't fight for their rights. I don't want to be aggressive of, or, or um, I don't want to know. I don't know what is the word to, to use in here, but all I'm saying is Iraqis from Al-Asr al-Abbasi Mm-hmm. They can't fight for their rights. Each time any leader comes in, they do follow him blindly. They don't think for once that they must build their own government because people who run governments, not governments run people. You understand that. And I, and I don't want... And I don't want to be sound like I'm talking in, in a very ideal way, no. But this is the true thing. But Iraqis, you know, they they went through a lot of wars, and still they um, follow up anyone who comes in, you know, uh, in the government chair. So. Um, to, so I understand you about your position or the life in in, in Iraq. Was would you say then? That, for example, Saddam Hussein, he was a terrible totalitarian dictator, but at least a dictator kept the country kind of at bay as far as its violence and it kept it organized to some degree. But without a dictator, as horrible as he was, the kind of the country fell into chaos and more violence and things like that. Would that kind of summarize the well, transition? Well, I don't think that. No, I mean, the way he used to deal with, for example, with Shia wasn't uh, good at all because he's the one who created the mess after 2003. If he was fair with with the Shia people, the sectarian conflict between Sunni and Shia wouldn't happen. But he, he wasn't fair with them. He used to torture them and kill them and abuse them and 
and attack them and harass them, you know. Mm-hmm. Each time he's um, he and his uh, guys knew about Shia Muslims or anything, they were they were attacked. So I don't consider him like that. But for me, as as a woman, for my mom as a woman, she used to be she used to have her eyes to walk down the street because it is the simple thing in Iraq. Other than that, we don't have any basic human rights in Iraq. Before Saddam Hussein and after Saddam Hussein, I don't see any of that is now, and especially now. I mean, uh, I mean, it, it is very difficult to describe the whole situation. But to get back to your point, no, I don't think that um, he was um, fair. But but I mean, um, all what is going on in Iraq now because of him and. Because of the Iraqi people, they don't want to. Yeah, they don't want to fight. You know, in Egypt, people got Mubarak, Hassan Mubarak, and Morsi out of the government. They fought for what you know. I think from their position. I don't want to talk for them, but they thought that Hassan Mubarak was a dictator. So they took him out of the government and mercy, for example. So um, I think the people who are um, the one who should that difference. So yeah, I hope I'm clear on that. Yeah, it's, um, it's a very common belief that the United States is principally at fault for a lot of the conflicts in, in the Middle East and especially as far as Iraq how do you do you see a link in Iraq between the conflicts and American intervention? And how how is maybe the United States viewed by the majority of the people? You would say. Well, I can say that we were all very happy when the United States came in uh, because they will take. Saddam, they took Saddam Hussein. Um, you know, he's a dictator, but once they took Saddam Hussein, um, I get back to my point, everything fall down. Um, but I mean, it can be in a somehow, um, they thought that they can bring the democracy to Iraq, but First, you have to study the geopolitics and the socio-economics of the land you are going to, so you can build the democracy, you know, system. The geopolitics and the socio-economics of the country wouldn't allow the democracy to build it, to be built in my country. Mm-hmm. Um, all these facts. And, you know, the United States and the Iraqis and all what I've said before, I think, you know, created all the mess that we live now. But mainly for me, they are the Iraqis. They are the one who can decide for their countries what is the best for their countries. For example, Iran now is taking control of the whole country. Who allowed that to happen? Iraqis allow that to happen. When you go down the street, 
Um, you see, for example, the Iraqi women uh, wearing abaya, Iranian abaya. They are talking about how beautiful Iran is or um, uh, how um, we should have the Iranian people live in our country. I'm talking to you from what I've seen down the streets interacting with the people. So is this like a bias um, towards like the Shia favor Iran or who, who would you say is favoring Iran in this way? Well, it's basically, you know, it's Shia mm -hmm. because Sunni people are refugees in their own country. I can't describe that. They are treated badly. They are treated like they are tourists. Um, so I can't say for Sunni people. Now we are talking about Shia. The Shia people are, they want to make Iraq the basic land um, to Iran. You know, the Iraq position is very important for Iran because Iran consider Iraq as the gate to Syria, to, you know, to the whole Middle Eastern, um, I think, you know, um, uh, uh, um, countries at very important points they want to control, and especially Syria, because we'll go down to um, Israel and Palestine. But to get back to, to the point, yes, Shia people want that. And, and it's very common in Baghdad, when you go down the streets, in the capital of Baghdad, you can see pictures of Ayatollah al-Khomeini and a lot of religious Iranian guys, their um, pictures and their, um, you know, uh, their holy talks published on the walls of the buildings in Iraq. And you can see um, a lot of, you know, activities for uh, Shia um, Iranian um, groups. Um, I didn't see it in my eyes for Iranian people, but for um, Shia groups, I've seen it. Uh, I have, you know, put some pictures posted online when I used to have my Facebook account. Um, but to get back to the point, uh, yeah, it's Shia people who are. Um, the one who want Iran to be in and to control Iraq. Yeah. So this is a lot of divisions as far as kind of tribe or, or religious branch with Sunni and Shia, but you're a lifelong atheist and your mother's an atheist. So what is it like growing up in such a sectarian religious uh -huh. environment and never being religious? What, what was it like being an atheist in this environment? It was horrible um, for me. Well, for my mom, because uh, as I told you, she was treated very badly from the society because of her divorce. Because being a divorced woman in um, in a society like in Iraq, it's, it's not good for the woman. And second, for being an atheist and, you know, going into discussions with her colleagues at work and sometimes in public got her into um a very hard um time so as for me did she um, did she say publicly like or maybe not publicly but in discussions with people outside would she identify herself as an atheist or would yeah you? yeah she yeah. would yeah oh, I, I i love your mother 
<laughs> Thank you. Wow. She didn't care, actually. Um, I told in my story when I was with her, um, one of the days that we were back to my house and there were Al-Qaeda fighters back in 2006. And um, a lot of people in the car and the bus, because we use buses in Iraq. So a lot of people in the bus told her, told her to cover up her head or to just, you know, leave the car because she will bring um, problems because, you know, Al-Qaeda fighters, they don't believe in a woman without head headscarf. So um, I remember uh, the moment um, uh, she taught me, I was very young that that time. Um, I'm sorry, Lubna, but I can't. I can't do that. And um, she can't do what? She can't veil her head. She, yeah, she can cover her head. Um, so I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm sorry. So um, take your time. And no I, yeah, I, I didn't believe. You know. I didn't understand what that meant. But um, as soon as we, um, you know, we uh, came across the Al-Qaeda fighters, they opened the car and um, and they talked to my mom. They asked about whether, who is working with the U.S. Uh, government as a translator or working with the Iraqi government. So one of the one of them uh, he uh, criticized and attacked my mom for not being uh, without you know wearing headscarf and uh, my mom she didn't say anything. So they just you know hit her um, and they um, took her to the car and and we were um, I'm, I'm sorry and um, mm -hmm. and I witnessed that I witnessed that so when I saw that I didn't realize how that will affect me in the future but um, mm -hmm. it made me very strong and very determined um, to be the person, I think, two years ago. Can, can I ask you, did she continue not wearing the hijab? She never wore it? No. No. Actually, your mother's a really strong woman. Because she, she believed in herself, even if I, you know, even yeah. one of her sons or daughters um, would follow Islam, she would it accept that I'm telling you the truth she would say I'm sorry you have to just leave or because I don't accept that in my in my house she believed in herself to the point that anyone you know she, she don't care um, she doesn't care if, um, if anyone will you know want to kill her for that she doesn't care.
So I think um, at some point I had that thing from her. I don't know, but um, I continued. When I saw that, actually, and when uh, a lot of things went in my mother's life and in mine, um, um, I became more um, determined to declare who I am. And that's why I um, I went public with Mr. Dave Rupin on his show because I don't, it's just, it's just, you have to, it's time to, to speak up. A lot of things going on with a lot of people who are just saying, you know, simple things. For example, Raif Badawi. Raif Badawi, who's a secular yeah. blogger from Saudi Arabia who got lashed for blogging about secularism, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he didn't declare that he's an atheist. He just wrote, a blog, you know, he was just um, doing blogging about the basic human rights, the women rights, and he got um, in, in prison and he's now um, treated very badly from his government. Mm -hmm. I mean, he didn't say that I am an atheist. So I think, I mean, it's time for everybody to um to stand up and and speak their minds i'm not ideal person no one is ideal and this world is not ideal but you have to you know talk i know it's dangerous and especially i want to um point out a very important point to anyone who's listening to me now being a woman or um, born as a woman in the Middle East is a crime. Being born a woman in the Middle East yeah, is a crime. It's a, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a crime because now, um, not for example, you are a girl. You have to wear a headscarf from age nine. You are just a child. A girl is just a child to understand what is headscarf. Or what is, for example, uh, marriage is. Now, you know what is going on in Iraq. They want to approve um, uh, Al-Jafari. Um, I think they call it Al-Jafari back in my time. Um, Al-Jafari rule to that allow girls from age nine years old to marry. So how could you do that? I mean, it's just a crime. And born women and not wearing a headscarf you will get attacked and harassed and they will even um kill you for, for that and you, now you are you never wore a head you never wore a headscarf correct no no i've never and i i used to cut my hair uh very short um because i do you know um i do want to it's just, this is um, who I am. I don't have to hide my uh, identity. So I've never wore a hijab. And you can imagine, um, never, uh, for for even, you know, um, I just want to make myself clear in, in this point. Mm -hmm. um, 
I've never wore hijab, so you can't imagine the attacks and the uh, harassments that I face for for just not wearing hijab. The second thing is for a woman to think for herself, to think in, you know, uh, being an atheist, to leave Islam, to just simply, you know, um, don't wear her scarf, you will get killed for that. For sometimes, in, you know, I dis- I disappeared from the Facebook because I received death threats because of my thoughts and my ideas um, being an atheist in my community. So for the people who are assuming that in Iraq, it's easy to be an atheist. No, it's not easy. It's not easy for women because men, you cannot, you know, uh, distinguish uh, the man, if he is an atheist or a Muslim, there is no sign. But for women, there is a sign, is a hijab, a headscarf. If a woman don't wear headscarf, so she's an atheist, um, she get, you know, she's not a good person, so she will be attacked or killed for that. So uh, I just wanted to be clear on that. And I'm sorry if my English is kind of poor on that, but I'm just trying to learn more about it, so. And yeah. would you get harassed a lot for not wearing the hijab on the street? Yeah, uh, well, it's in people in public because, you know, I used to um, um, go into public life a lot and um, going into classes and stuff, so. I was attacked several times. I was slapped several times. I was attacked by uh, people with, um, one of the days two young people attacked me with, uh, uh, I think it's a steel, um, I don't know what they call it. Uh, I'm just trying. But like steel pipes or? Yeah, 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 yeah. They, um, they, uh, they were, I was attacked by that. They hit me from the back when I was, um, um, you know, trying to go home, to get back to my home. Mm-hmm. And suddenly in the street, because it was late, late time. So um, I was hit from, you know, on my back because of that. And, you know, they ran and no one, you know, can defend me or say anything. Um, people just watch and, you know, and mock. No one cares because... Uh, from their point, I deserve that. I'm not, you know, I'm not wearing a headscarf. Uh, I deserve to be treated that way. Um, and I want to just say something that um, in my community, uh, you can see now sometimes girls without headscarf, they cannot move freely. There are closed societies in Iraq when you can, when you don't put headscarf, when you don't want wear a headscarf, you are free because there are certain, you know, people, you know, you can, you know, take hijab off and be free with them. But in the public life, you will get a lot of um, attacks on that. And um, it's just what is happening in Iran, the same thing. I don't, I want to say this, I, I don't want the you know, the media fool all the people. There is a, a theocracy um, in Iraq. 
but no one um, sees that now because the war on, with ISIS and the Iraqi government and all the development things going on it, um, is covering up the truth about Iraq. Iraq is a theocracy. There is a theocracy government in there. And the people, I think, mainly who lead that yeah, that policy in my country, um, yeah, they don't want to uh, to stand up for um, for the you know uh, rights in general, and even the protests back in 2014 uh, in Baghdad, the whole people or the whole Iraqis who were protesting against the government. They weren't, uh, um, you know, protesting for the general um, rights in Iraq. No, they were Muqtada uh, al-Sadr, you know, uh, followers, not, not, you know, Iraqis. So calling for Iraq. So, yeah, I was um, uh, attacked several times and. I hope in the future I can get the whole, you know, uh, the whole uh, story in details. Um, Did you know? For now, I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead. Okay. No, no, just go ahead. Oh, uh, uh, I wanted to ask, uh, did you know any other atheists uh, around you at that time? Or how did your friends around you react to you being an atheist and not using hijab? Mm-hmm. Well, I knew, I knew people around me were atheists. And I can't say that most of Iraqis, they don't know what is Islam all about. They don't practice it. It's just, you know, I'm a Muslim, so um, they didn't believe in it. And But with my friends, I mean, uh, they were atheists, but... When I used to talk to them, we have to make some kind of organization, you know, uh, a group so we can have a lot of people to come in and talk so people can feel more welcomed and can be free in the way they express themselves. No one agreed with me because they follow Al-Takiyya, uh, method, you know, Al Takiyah. Well, Takiyah well, is, is known as kind of hiding uh, one's exactly. true thoughts in Islam, but a lot of people in the West consider it kind of um conspiracy theory. That's not a real thing. I don't really know uh too much about it, so I can't really say. Could you tell me? Is Takiyah something actually like a practice people do use in in Islam among Muslims? Is it a real yeah, thing? Yeah. Well. Yeah, well, the mm -hmm. Jews used to do that when Muslims were, you know, controlling their uh, societies. They used to be Muslims and trying to be like Muslims, but between themselves and their communities and, you know, uh, these secret gatherings, they didn't believe in Islam in a bit. So um, to say that, um, I just want to make it, uh, make it um, in Iraq for... For example, Sunni people, they are trying to follow up with the, with the Shia. They're trying to be Shia. Um, they're following the Al-Takiyya method. 
so they wouldn't be uh, harassed or attacked by Shia groups. The same goes with the Jews. So it's a way to save themselves from harm, Al-Takiyah, you know, oh, so, ultimately. So Al-Takiyah or Takiyah is not necessarily something done exclusively by Muslims, but it's just the practice of hiding your identity to save yourself from harm. So even atheists in Iraq could be practicing Al-Takiyah to act like Muslims and not show that they're yeah. truly atheists to save themselves from harm. So it's not it's not it's specifically something used by Muslims against non-believers. It, it, it can just be generalized to any group well, who's trying to save themselves. Well, you can say that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it, it came from Muslims, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. But for me, I consider it, you can apply it for anyone in their communities who are afraid to show their identities to others. For me, I do consider it like that because um, I, I just used it to describe the easiest in my ah, country. So, okay, so you're, yeah. you're applying that term to, to others, even though it comes from Islam. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I see. Can, I, I see. can say that. Mm-hmm. And you can, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but for me, I do agree with that. I mean, it makes so, sense. It's kind of, it, yeah. it's kind of atheist takia in a way, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't follow up with me on that and they refused. And they even, they didn't want to talk to me anymore because uh, they thought that I'm dangerous to them. Because is, you're I'm too not- outspoken and you're too upfront about being an atheist? Is that why? Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Just because that. And they uh, they cut, you know, the communications with, with me and they didn't want to talk to me anymore. So I was left alone with um, two, maybe one person to speak to. Um, I, I used to, um, like I mentioned before, I used to write reports um, in Al-Mutanabisi Treats. Um, with verses about, you know, in Al-Quran, just try to uh, explain that and some politics issues with my country, and especially uh, the Iranian interaction with Iraq and how they control the government and how they uh, control the policy uh, and even the people of Iraq. So because of all these things, um, uh, I was... (laughs) under um, threats all the time, all the time. And I don't want to say in details, I didn't have any relationship with my own family for years. Um, I used to live in, in the dorms just to keep them away from me, just so that I can take the whole responsibility because I I am I am very determined when I was back in there to say my thoughts and just to save my family. But my family were very okay with what I do because I came from a family who they are very well educated and I can say that we mainly you know basically all engineers so you um so you get to know um the thing is that um being educated it gives you the privilege to have a you know a family that 
they believe in you and agrees with what you do. So um, I'm very grateful to have such a, um, I think, a great family. I can't describe it in words, but um, I'm very thankful to my mother, to my siblings for their support and their belief in me. So anyway. Um, Can I just tell you also, like, it's it's kind of amazing to hear you talk about yourself being from Iraq because your background sounds so similar to mine. I also come from a family of, well, my, my father is Palestinian ethnically, but my both my parents are from Chile. I'm right now in Chile. And my my father's an engineer. My my grandfather was a scientist. My you know other family members are engineers. And I was also brought up completely non-religious with no religion. So it's it's really it, you know it's amazing to hear that there's a person in Iraq on the other side of the world who was brought up in this way, despite everything around you was telling you not to be that way, and you fought to be that way to keep who you are genuine. So. You might have lost some friends being such an outspoken atheist in Iraq, but you you have a new friend with me. Thank you. I love outspoken atheists. Thank you. I'm, I'm grateful to you and I'm honored to have you as, you know, my new friend. And um I'm I'm you know, I'm I'm very delighted uh to talk. Um I'm different now. I'm not the same person two years ago because after the interview where um public and the richard dawkins foundation shared it um you know the situation it got very worse i i directly um they declared to shed my blood so i had to uh who who, who was that who was they was it just a blind threats of from unknown people or it's well it's i do believe and i uh and i think that there are shia militias because they are the one who's um who i received threats Mm -hmm. from you know uh before i don't want to get into details now but in the future i I may you know um put Mm -hmm. it in details but um, can you can you briefly summarize for for people listening now ki- kind of what happened between the interview you going to hiding and then escaping very very briefly wh- whatever you details you can give well I after the interview were shared and a lot of people in my country and the whole thing has happened um, I received threats um, I directly received it to my um, college when I went back to my um, teacher's, uh, you know, uh, office, I got that letter says death to atheists, death to you know, my name was on it to Lubna Ahmed, and um, I you know I tore that paper and I left the uh, the place and. Um, my mom received threats um, concerning me, and um, I physically um, um, I was physically attacked, and um, 
I'm sorry. It's just uh... no. It's okay. And you can you can skip over some stuff if you don't want to talk about it right now. I feel very tired. Mm. Um. How long have you been in the United States right now? Well, uh, well, um, um, uh, it's about um, almost six months. Yeah. Yeah, I got the help from um, uh, people around. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Do you like I'm it sorry. so far? No, it's okay. Well, um, it's just um, I'm trying to heal myself. I think it's having free space, and um, I, I mean, it's it's great to be here, but at the same time, um, I'm just I'm trying to deal with myself now. I don't know, but um, I'm sorry. It's okay. I think you've been through a really hard time in a hard life, and you faced a lot of adversity to just fight for who you are. And I hope in the United States you're granted a space where you can flourish and show who you are without fear and without aggression. And I'm sure you will. And I, I hope you continue to fight because you'll now have a, a way of speaking that you never had before. And you'll have, you know, people behind you like Dave Rubin, like me. And I'm sure you'll have other allies as well. But I, I think, you know, I've seen your interviews on, on the Rubin report. I, I was so happy to contact you and, you know, you, there's not a lot of people as brave of you, as you are. So I'm, I'm just honored to, to, to be speaking with you and anything I could ever do to help you in, in, as a friend or in your fight, I'm always here for you. Thank you. Um, I'm sorry, but I cried so many times. Um, so for so long nights, mm -hmm. Sometimes I miss my own voice. I couldn't speak. I was ready to take the risk, you know, to to get killed, but it's just the thing with me is I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad. I'm glad you you didn't because you remember atheism. Atheism doesn't need martyrs. Only Islam loves martyrs. We love people who are alive and speaking. Well, it's important for me to speak. Mm -hmm. It was, and I do believe in myself. I just wanted to speak, and I'm very grateful that Dave gave me um, the chance to speak because. No one will ever talk to to people like me, and he was brave to give me the space to, you know, to say my thoughts. And I can't describe in words how grateful I am to him and now to you. I'm thankful that there are people like you 
who believe in us, who try to give us a voice to talk. In, in a world, no one cares for us because I want to say something. It's important to hear people who stand up for human beings. That's what I want to say. It's very important to give them the platform to talk because they are the one who's trying to make the change mm-hmm. when no one cares about. I do believe that the change must come within, but for me, I feel coward because I left... Um, I left my country, I left all these things I used to do, I used to fight for. Now I'm in a in a safe place where, to be quite honest, I sometimes, it's not sometimes, I do miss the things that I used to do. I do miss that, I don't know, what, a lot of things. What do you miss? I miss going out, debating people. I miss writing the articles I used to to put in Al-Mutanabisitrins. I do miss going out and take some pictures of some places for their, you know, um, for political uh, groups, Shia political groups in, in my country and post it and make people learn more about my country and what is going on in my country. I do miss all these things. Well, you'll, do you'll miss... find... Um, go ahead. No, no, just... Um... I was just going to say, you'll find, um, definitely find people to debate in the U.S. as well. It's becoming very popular. You won't, it's, you won't find uh, maybe Al-Qaeda members to debate with, but you'll definitely find a lot of people who are apologists for the religion to to fight with. Well, I don't know, but for me, um, I feel very emotional mm-hmm. about who are um, still in in areas such my country. Do not ever let them fool anyone that my country is is open to atheism. No, is not open to atheism. Um, they are. Um, torturing people just if you criticize one of the Iranian religious guys in my country you will get attacked for just saying a bad word about Iran for example about the Shia um, religious uh, ceremonies in Iraq you will get attacked if you don't put a flag of for example, Ashura ceremony. Do you know what Ashura ceremony? No, I don't. Um, what is it? Well, Ashura uh, Ashura ceremony where Shia people celebrate, um, you know, visiting Imam al Hussein back in Karbala, where people walk to his, uh, you know, to his place um, in Karbala. It is a very um, popular. Um, in that ceremony, I don't want to go into details, but when you go, when you live 
days like that in my country. And when you don't put a flag that says you um, you are sad or you are following Shia Sukkot, you will get attacked just because that you don't put a flag to give them the code that you are following them. So my point is um, being an atheist in Iraq and very open about it, it's very dangerous. It's, um, it's like in what's going on in Iran and, and theocracy government in general, in Iran and Saudi Arabia. So I just want to say that for you and to Mr. Dave Rupin and to anyone who listens to this, I hope you will get anyone who, especially who the people who um, standing up and they are willing to take um, the risk to talk, to give them the platform to talk and to help them with whatever they need because they are the one who deserve to be, you know, to be quite honest, the respect, and especially the women. The women, they are, because women are so much, I mean, pain and, and, um, and, um, I don't know how to describe that, but women are very special because under Islam, they are um, treated very badly. Uh, they are just like worse than animals. And giving them the chance to speak their minds, it is something worth it. And um, I'm just, um, I'm grateful to you and thankful to have an ally just like you and um, anyone who listens to this. I'm thankful. Thank can, you. Can I ask you uh, about uh, atheism in Iraq? Were, were you aware of famous atheists in Iraq while you were there? Are they influential mm-hmm. uh to you and maybe other atheists that you knew in the country i used to actually um read um for an iraqi professor he's dealing with the social life he was um his name is ali alwardi i read a lot of books about how he described the iraqi society the origins of the society if it is religious society or follows traditions and stuff like that. And I can say from my point of view, I can't sense that he's an atheist, but he didn't, um, you know, uh, said that in words. But you, when you read, you know, you can conclude that. And he was as well uh, attacked and um, he was... um, what group of people wanted to kill him. Uh, but other than that, I was influenced by, first by my mother, and then uh, I started to read for Richard Dawkins and um, uh, Stephen Hawking and Carl Sagan uh, and Christopher Hitchens. Uh, God is not a great. Um, 
and the God Delusion for Richard Dawkins. These are the people who uh, mainly uh, um, made me think that uh, atheism is important for me, for, especially for me, and that I must be proud to be an atheist. I'm not, I don't have to be ashamed because religions are myths. Um, they don't reflect the human beings. I think religions reflect one human being, the one who wrote these books, for example, Islam represents Muhammad. So Muhammad is not my reflection. Atheism and the free thinking and the science is my reflection in this life. So, yeah, I was influenced by um, these people. And um, I'm, I'm happy um, to read to them. And um, ultimately, uh, I started to read, um, to read for Sam Harris, Mr. Sam Harris, and Ayan her CLE, uh, but I do admire um, Richard Dawkins and the intelligence of Christopher Hitchens. He's very tough when it comes to um, the Islam issues and the women issues. So, yeah, these are my influences. And um, so a lot I'm of. Happy. A lot of people in um in the West now think that well presenting science or and or atheism as an option to the Middle East and to Muslims is kind of a failed idea. It's not going to go yes. anywhere. And the best thing to do is to reform the religion and change the meaning and the interpretation of verses to mean what we would prefer them to mean. So the to uh -huh. change the religion. And the verses to instead of them being mm -hmm. sexist for them to be empowering women instead of them being mm -hmm. homophobic mm -hmm. empower gay people etc cetera, etc cetera. so we can make the religion into a liberal version of the religion instead of people mm. thinking in a critical and secular way what do you think about that well first we have to talk if you want to do that, you have to study, again, uh, the geopolitics and the socioeconomics of the region. You want to build that thing on. In the Middle East, we cannot do that. You cannot build the, uh, you can, we can't take the atheism and science as a way uh, to reform the society. So we, we have to put that aside. Uh, coming back, going back to Islam and the Reformation talk and the moderation, I don't think that will work out, and it can because um, a Reformation, if even if you are talking about the teachings of Islam, you can reform it. I mean, these are dark verses. How you can reform it? How you can uh, change the way to teach it to the um, to to the people, you can't play with the words, so you can't have another meaning, another uh, intention. No, I don't think I don't believe in reformation. This is a very direct 
uh, book, Al-Quran, and Hadith for Muhammad, you can build the moderation and reformation on it. Muslims should leave Islam, should start their lives and consider that it's not atheism is the solution. But once you leave Islam, you get the chance to think um, for, you know, your community, for your society. Reformation, again, is a delusion. Muslims will never be convinced that their religion um, needs reformation because you can't. I mean, this is words as it believed is coming uh, from God. How can you reform um, words or even the teachings of Islam? This is God. You have to follow God and God's words. So I don't think that will that will um, be a good idea. Their formation. The only thing that we can do for Muslims is just to leave their religion because the Christian people and the church. I can say there is a formation, and there is, and you know that. I think you are very uh, popular with the and familiar with the um, uh, the reformation and the uh, the Christianity. Why? Because people um, were willing to be, you know, reformed with their religion. The church was reformed, and you have a central pop who has all the religious things together, but in Islam, you don't have any central um, main stream so you can control it, so you can reform it or, you know, make it more moderate. So um, all that talk, I don't believe in it. And again... Um, you have to admit first that Islam is against humanity or religion religions in general, but Islam uh, mainly everything in it is against humanity. The only solution for me is that you call for Muslims to leave Islam. Other than that, it won't work out. You don't have to cover up uh, reformation, so uh, you don't have to deal with your problems or with what is going on in the West. I mean, the West should now start to fight that with calling Muslims to leave Islam. You don't have to play, uh, you know, mothers so you can avoid the, you know, uh, avoid the problems of Islams and Muslims by calling their formation and moderation. That's my opinion. And I I hope you get my point on that. Yeah. yeah. I mean I can kind of hear the critics already screaming in their heads saying, well how can you get people to how how do you get Muslims to leave Islam? I think to begin with, and it's a very <laughs> slow start, it's not something mm -hmm. that's gonna happen in the next even hundred years perhaps, but I think an essential mm -hmm. thing is going back to a part of this podcast where you said you even knew other atheists in Iraq 
but nobody wanted to come out, right? Nobody wanted to be too upfront about it. And they were even hesitant to even associate with you because you were too outspoken and you would get harassed and hurt and attacked for being an outspoken atheist. So I think it has to start there, not that Muslims are going to leave their religion, but those who have, like yourself, aren't Mm -hmm. scared. Aren't, aren't, yeah. aren't trying to escape for your life and at least start with the civil rights of women, the civil rights of apostates, the civil rights of atheists or religious minorities, even even sometimes religious minorities who are Muslims themselves, um, other uh, yeah. relig- Muslim branches who are minorities in many countries um, are treated very uh, oppress- uh, oppressively in, in uh, yeah in 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 the countries they live in so i i think that's a place to start in and on that point i think that's why your voice is so important i would encourage you that you know you you shouldn't feel down about what you're doing now because i don't know if you really could have been a proponent in the same way you could be Mm -hmm. in the west and that's why i was asking you before about if Western atheists had influence on you in Iraq and you said they did. So you're coming as a person with experience from a country Mm -hmm. that I mean, in the United States, not a lot of people have the experience you have and you're, you, you can bring a truth and you'll, you'll meet people who will give you a platform and maybe that will reach other people like you were in Iraq. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a different way of doing it. It's, you know, but, um, but you're not good to anyone if you're always fearing for your life and you're always on the brink of death. That's not always the best way to communicate your message. So I'm, I'm at least happy that you're, you're, you're in a safer place. And I, I hope you do speak out more. And if you do want to, I'm, my platform is always open to you and I will help you in any way. I can. And before you go, is there any, anything else you wanted to add to all of this story? Any last message? Um, no, I, I'm just, I'm sorry for first um, my English sometimes because I'm trying to learn and I'm sorry for the interruptions that it's just, um, I'm, I'm exhausted from the whole thing to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I've never, um, I've never, I've never faced something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, coming in here and, um, and just trying to, to handle all these things. Yeah. Uh, I think you're um, very overwhelmed probably is my thinking. Well, I don't know. Um, it's just um, emotionally, um, I'm just trying to get back on track and mm-hmm. I hope I get my passion back again in the future. But I'm sure you for will. Me now, thank you. But for me now, I'm more determined to speak up more and loud. And as you said, maybe that will help others in my country to speak because I think I don't know but maybe in the future something will happen 
I think we are all doing this not for ourselves. I mean, for the next generation, that what matters. They are very important um, because they will bring out what we put in them. It's like seeds. So um, before I go, uh, I would love to thank you for having me. Um, I'm very honored to talk to you and to have you as a friend and ally for me. And uh, I would love to thank um, Mr. Dave Rupin again and my friend Keith Carbon um, and all the people who believed in me because without them, I wouldn't make it, believe me. Um, after the death threats and all these things when um, I believe that at some point I must stay alive so mm -hmm. I can um, say my story because of the positive feedback I received um, from the Richard Dawkins Foundation, from all of the people. And I'm, I'm very grateful to them. And I can't say the person's name, but there is one person in, in particular. Um, he's the one who made everything uh, worth it. Um, what I mean by worth it, the hope in me, and he continued to support me in every way. Um, he could, and he still do. So if he listens to me, I'm very grateful to him, and I'm very grateful to uh, to the United States of America for um, because they have me. And to be quite honest with you, I'm I'm grateful for any nation who will who would you know uh, have me uh, because. Um, they are protecting um, people like me and to let them to speak their minds again. But uh, I don't want to be boring in here. Um, thank you again. And um, it's, it's definitely not I'm boring. Sorry. It's definitely not boring. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry again if I, you know, my English is not good. So thank you for having me, Mr. Lalo. And um <laughs> And I hope in the future we can meet in person. I think that will be great. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm thankful to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again, Lubna, for being on. Thank you so much.